0: And we will uh, look at, it, at the life, a little bit of a life of the man named Joseph, and we'll talk about his part in uh, the Christmas story. Joseph doesn't get a lot of press, does he? Uh, he's not a main figure. He's kind of a he's kind of a, a character actor in a movie, in a way. You can kind of kind of describe him that way. He's kind of just there, but he has a very important part, and we need to understand that. So let's talk about him today. And as we celebrate Advent, he is part of the Christmas story. So in chapter 1, verse 18 in Matthew, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be the child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be a child will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, this morning as we look at the Christmas story, we're not stepping away from any part of it. We're simply highlighting one part. We're bringing out this person, this man named Joseph, Lord, today to to honor you and to, to honor you for your plan and how your plan of salvation was fulfilled. And Joseph shows us and reminds us that we all have something, some role to play, something to do in your plan of salvation for people. And so thank you for that. Thank you for that meaning and purpose for our lives as your people, that we have something you want us to do, something important and meaningful, something that's significant, something that changes lives but also has the possibility of changing our very world. So this morning as I speak from your word, I pray for you to speak through me, that you will speak to people's hearts the way I can't that you will use me for your glory and that the Christmas story will be told and be a little richer because of Joseph. We thank you for this, Father, for your great love for us and for your Son and your Spirit. We pray in His name. Amen. Amen. You know, having a meaningful life, it has connotations that are different for everybody. We all have different ideas of a meaningful life, of finding our purpose. We all have different purposes. We all want different things in life. But these are not modern questions. I think that mankind has been answering and wrestling with these questions, these issues, ever since the beginning of Adam and Eve, trying to figure things out, trying to figure out life. Most time by our age, by the time you're, what, 40 or 50 or so, you kind of think you have it all figured out, don't you? Amen? You kind of have your life kind of figured out. But guess what? God is still in there. If God's in your life, you don't know quite exactly how it's all going to end. You don't know where God's going to take you. You don't know what God has in store for you. you know, we're coming to the end of 2019. We're going into a whole new year in a few weeks, 2020. We don't know what God has in store for us. We didn't know what God had in store for us for 2019, right? Yeah. And who knows what God's going to do in our lives? 2020. Who, how did, Paul, how did jo- Joseph know what it was going to happen in his life? He didn't know. But I'm sure he wrestled with these kinds of questions like, I wonder how he did that. How did he think about that? After all, he was a simple carpenter, uh, meaning he made furniture, rough furniture, maybe built houses, uh, repaired wooden things. Uh, He probably worked for the most part while he was unmarried alone, so he probably had lots of thoughts about his life. He lived in Galilee, which is really kind of an off-the-main-road kind of area of Judea. It wasn't uh, very popular. It was uh, working class, and fishermen, and things like that, village life. He was just a simple guy, wasn't he? Yeah. He was also the descendant of David who happened to have been the king of Israel. And that's something. In his blood, in his body flowed royal blood. So he came from a royal family. And reading what the New Testament says about Joseph, I think he was probably a very simple guy. I think he was probably just an ordinary guy who made a decent living, who wanted to get married, have kids, and just live the best life he could. Does that sound like people to you? Does that sound like maybe yourself? That maybe you just wanted to live the best life you could and and just go through life and just, just have a good life. And I think that's where Joseph was at. Joseph's life shows us we just simply don't know what God has in store for us. We really don't know where we're going to end up in life. From this day to the next. But God knows. God knows because He has a plan. Now a lot of people scoff at this idea that here's this mighty being, this all divine, all knowing, all righteous, all holy, all powerful, divine being, and He's concerned about you, your average little person. Why would He be concerned about you? Because He made you, that's why. And because He made you, because He formed you in your mother's womb, You're important to him. And Joseph's life shows us that. So we really don't know where we're going to end up in life, but God knows. God creates us for a purpose. It might be a humble purpose, it might be, you know, a mighty purpose. You know, think about people who did great things in their lives for the world. I think about, as a pastor, I think about Billy Graham and and how God had a great purpose in his life. And you study his life, and you see how Billy Graham came out of nowhere. And God used them in a powerful, powerful way. We simply don't know what God's going to do in our lives. We just have to be willing. And that's the key, and that's the crutch of it all. We have to be willing to accept the purpose He created us for. Hope you have your outlines out and ready in a pen. Part of God's plan for Joseph was very simple, was to be Mary's husband. Very simple. To be Mary's husband. Let's talk about that. Let's look at verse 18 again. Says this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. They were pledged to be married. That's a legally binding agreement that they had made. They'd entered into what we would call the engagement period. And some people have years in engagement in that engagement period. Some people have months, some have weeks, some have days. It's the time before the marriage ceremony. In first century Judaism, a marriage pledge a pledge to each other was a legal contract that bound both people together it bound them together though they hadn't said their their vows yet they were still legally bound together and to get out of that pledge required some kind of legal proceeding why was it that way we don't do that today if you get engaged you can break the engagement and walk away and that's that there's no legal bindingness to that to that uh, oral contract between a man and a woman. Why did they do that? Because the Jewish people of that time believed marriage was a sacred relationship between a man and a woman. They believed it was a sacred bond that they were entering into together. And they believed that God made them for each other. That might scare some of you ladies, right? Did God make that guy for you? Really? Well, but did God make you for Him? you got to think of it that way too. Yeah. That's a novel idea today, that God made these two people for each other. That God made you for each other, if you're a married couple today. That's a very novel idea today. People today don't think about it that way. Where did they get this idea? Where did this belief come from? It came from the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. The Lord God made a woman from the, whip, from the rib he he'd taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. They believed, and I believe, I'm sure you do too, that God creates us for certain people. That makes it hard. Because we have to be willing to wait on God to reveal that person to us. And we have to be willing to accept that. But there was a problem here. Look at verse 18 again. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child. Uh Uh-oh. She was already pregnant. This would have been very embarrassing to Mary. Very embarrassing. They lived in a village culture where everybody knew everybody's business. Not like Lawrence, Kansas, where you hardly know your neighbor this in a village you, everybody knows what everybody's doing everybody knows what's going on it doesn't take long for news to get around i kind of grew up in that st mary's kansas it's a town of about two or three thousand people grew up on a dairy farm outside of town but we moved into town when i was a freshman in high school and that was a community that everybody knew everybody's business And so this would have been very embarrassing to Mary. Godly women did not engage in premarital sexual activity. And it would have been embarrassing to Joseph because he would have wanted to marry a godly woman. And he was a a godly man. Notice what Matthew says at the end of verse 18. She was found to be with a child through the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, Matthew explains to us how that happened. How that came to be that she was pregnant with a child that was not her fiancé's. Now at the time that Joseph learns this, he he doesn't know. He doesn't know who the Father is. He simply knows he isn't the Father. Now look at verse 19. Because Joseph was a righteous man, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. There's that breaking of of the binding contract between him and Mary. He wanted to do that as quietly as possible. He didn't want to embarrass her What does it mean that he was a righteous man? What does that mean, to be a righteous man? It simply means he was to be the kind of man God created him to be. See, there is, guys, here's something that maybe we need to teach the younger guys. I think we really do. And that is, there's a way God created you to live. He wants you to live this certain way. And he tells you how to live this way in in the Bible. That's right, in the Bible. And the Bible tells us how we can live this way to please God. So I think Joseph was a man who, who wanted to live for God. But he didn't want to embarrass Mary. He didn't want to shame her in any way. I think this shows he loved Mary. He loved her very much. So he thought about Mary, and how am I going to do any of this before I, before I actually do it? He's thinking things through. Oftentimes, don't, we don't do that, do we? We get upset. We stress out. We get angry, or we get, we get embarrassed or whatever, and we just react. Joseph doesn't do that. He thinks first. He's thinking about what should I do so that I treat Mary righteously. It says a lot about Joseph's character and his godliness. I think he shows us, shows me that he really loved her. Guys, we can learn a lot from Joseph, can't we? Just these few things, there's a lot for us to learn on how to live for God, how to treat our wives and children. Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. He could have been very harsh. He could have taken her publicly before whoever it was, whoever the village magistrate would have been, the rabbi or or whoever the, the leaders of the synagogue, whoever it would have been, and he could have publicly disgraced her. That's not what God's will for him was. Look at verse 20. Verse 20. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So now he learns, oh, it's not another man. God is doing something here. God is doing something I've never heard of. Shows me again that Joseph was meant to be Mary's husband. Why else would God send this angel to Joseph to calm him down, to get him to think a little bit more, to not overreact? to let him know what's going on. I like that about God. Here is one of the most stressful situations people get, in, get involved in, and here's God working it all out. Don't you like that about God, how he makes his will plainly known at, at these times like this? Yeah. Christmas stories about Jesus Christ coming to this world. The divine, remember last week, the divine became flesh. But it's also about Joseph having a part in God's plan for sending His Son. And His role was simply to be Mary's husband. To be Mary's husband. If we can find out what our part in God's plan is, we will find the meaning and purpose that we want for our lives. If we can find that out. Now, we don't figure it out. We we have to find out. We have to go to God. And we have to find it out. That's that's the simple part, isn't it? Finding that out. And that really is, it's that simple. To go to God and say to God, I want to know what, My purpose is Joseph was meant to be Mary's husband. Number two, he was meant to be Jesus' earthly father. You could also say Jesus' legal father as well. Look at verse twenty-one. She will give birth. The angel speaking still. He talks to to um, to Joseph. He says she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He was meant to be Jesus' earthly father, his legal father. The angel told Joseph he was going to be the father of the Son of God. He said, take Mary home, and when the baby's born, give him a specific name. Now, who usually picks out kids' names? The parents do, yeah. Sometimes it's the wife, sometimes it's the wife and the husband, but but it's always the family does that. That's the family kind of a thing. You do that before, sometimes you do that before the kid's born, right? I mean, Almost all the time you, you figure out, I'm going to name this child this. Joseph Joseph is told, this is what God wants. He wants you to name him Jesus, which in Hebrew is Yeshua. You ever heard of that name before, Yeshua? That's the Hebrew word for Yeshua. It simply means the Lord saves. That's all it means. And here we see how important obedience is to God. We also see how significant obedience is for us. To be in God's will is our purpose. To be in God's will now... People get worked up about that. I want to be right in the center of God's will. You know what? I don't think of it that way. I don't think of God's will like a dartboard where I want to be a bullseye. I just want to be in His will. And once I get in His will, He'll figure the rest out for me and tell me what I need to do. I think of it as a target. But I'm just trying to get into the target. Because getting into God's will, I think it's hard enough. Don't stress out, I want to be in the very center of God's will because God will take care of that if we'll simply enter into His will as a target. To be in God's will is part of our purpose in life. That's why I think our country's falling apart. That's why I think our country is fraying at the edges and and, and beginning to decay and come apart in the middle. I think that's why our culture is, um, is struggling just to get along with itself. Because our country, our people, are not in God's will. Our, our neighbors are not in God's will. 80% of our country doesn't know their Creator, doesn't think about their Creator, doesn't think about God. And so our, 80% of our nation is wandering away from God. What's going on up there, fellas? Oh, okay. Is it all right? Okay. So we wonder about our culture. We wonder about what's going on in our country. Well, 80% of our nation is is wandered off from God. It's outside of God's will. It's not in the center. It's not even on the board. It's totally missed God's will. Now, not only does God give us a purpose, a sense of purpose, like I said before, we can't see the future the way God can. We can't always see God, what God does in our obedience either. Think about that for a moment. You've got to you got to be obedient in a way it's like you're just letting it go. Whatever God says, this is what I want you to do, you do that and you let that go out into the stream of God's will. This year, this is the first year we've ever done the Operation Christmas Child Shoe Boxes. We, we did 22 boxes this year. That's awesome, folks. I was very, very grateful, very, very proud of the church for doing that. We gave 22 boxes full of stuff to, to kids we will probably never meet on this side of heaven I, I doubt I ever meet any kid who uh, who got the box that Anna and I gave him but we might meet them kid those kids in heaven you know we might meet them over there in heaven who knows what God's going to do with those boxes they're going to get those boxes but they're also going to get discipled they're going to get told about Jesus they're going to get taught for a certain number of weeks about who Jesus is and how Jesus loves them, how God made them and created them and loves them and cares about them. And who knows what God's going to do with your shoebox that you gave. I know this. I don't think it'll go to waste. I think God will make sure that that they're used to their optimal purpose. Psalm 138 verse 8 says, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Man, I like that, don't you? The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. That means he has a purpose for us when he made us. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. You want to know God's love, you're going to have to get into his will. And you're going to have to follow his will, his instructions. We also, by the way, don't know how God is going to use our gifts to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We take this up every year and we take that up to all that money that we give to Lottie Moon goes to send people around the world. To share Jesus Christ. To tell people the true meaning of Christmas. To tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't know what's going to happen. We're just going to send people out. Amen? Yeah. Obedience is how God's plan is fulfilled. That's how He fulfills it. Through our obedience. Number three, God's word was fulfilled through Joseph. What I mean here is God's prophecy that was foretold hundreds of years before Jesus was born, was fulfilled through Joseph also. Look at verse 22. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said. Now the Lord did not say, God did not say, I'm going to choose a man named Joseph. And I'm going to use him. And I'm going to choose a young girl named Mary. He didn't say that. He didn't give their names. But he did say through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. Mary is that sign. She was a young girl, a virgin. And he, she got pregnant by the work of God in her. She had to surrender to God's will too. She gave birth to a son, named him Jesus, and he would also be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Son of God, the Son of David, the Son of Man. And Joseph was part of God fulfilling his plan. How? By doing what God's messenger, the angel, told him to do. He took Mary home as his wife. He took the baby home as well and waited for the baby to be born. And when the baby was born, He was given the name Jesus just as He was told to. You and I were created by God to do what God created us to do. And the part of what we're trying to do is, is, has got to do with the Gospel today. The Gospel. You and I have a, a role in the Gospel in the world. You and I have a role in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought of that? When we send messengers out around the world, we send missionaries around the world, we are fulfilling the Word of God by making sure the world hears the gospel, that the gospel is preached. Listen to this. In Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world, or in the whole world, as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Have you ever thought that you and I have a part in the second coming? That's why in Revelation it says, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Because we're part of that. We have that role too. That's part of our purpose. Joseph did his part. Are we going to do ours? Well, that's up to each and every one of us. We have to make that decision. Point number four, Joseph was obedient to God. In God's calling, His specific direct calling. Look at verse 24. It says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Part of being a father back then was also naming the children. And usually they named someone who was dead, a family member or a different name. But if they named somebody from the family, they had to be dead. But there was nobody in their family named Jesus. But God said, you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to be the Lord who saves. Joseph did everything the angel told him to do. Therefore, he did everything that God told him to do. He didn't divorce Mary instead, he took her home as his wife. So he married her. Simple obedience to God. It's all God asks of his people. Simply be obedient to me. When I ask you to do this, do it. Psalm 128, verse 1. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his way. When God says, I want you to go this direction, you go that direction. When God says, I want you to go this direction, you go that direction. When God says, I want you to stop and stay where you are, you stop and stay where you are. Whatever God says, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to fear the Lord, walk in His ways, and we'll be blessed. Here's the thing. As simple as the act of obedience is, and it should be simple, I mean, it's really a, a submission of our will, the hard part is finding out what God wants us to do. That really can't be the harder part. We have to discover the purpose God created us for. Where a lot of people go wrong is they don't see God and His guidance for their lives. They think, well, I'll go to college. I'll go to college and I'll find my purpose in college. I'll get my degree and that's what I'll do. Or I'll go get a job and I'll work hard and and I'll advance in my life and I'll advance in my job and I'll find my purpose there. I kind of thought that way myself for a long time. Some people say, well, you know, I'll get married, I'll have kids, and I'll just be a good father and husband. I'll find my purpose there. Or if I just stay out of trouble and do good things, I'll find my purpose in that. This kind of thinking is human-centered thinking. Because we're making the decision for our own purpose. We're making up our own purpose. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're not consulting God. We're making the decision. We're supposed to ask God, Father, Father. Father, what what did you make me for? What what is my purpose for my life? Why did you create me? What do you want me to do? What is my part in your plan? We're supposed to prayerfully ask God these things, these questions. We're supposed to be God-centered people, not human-centered people. And the world gets it upside down. Now, I can say this with confidence because the Bible says it over and over and over again god has a common purpose for all of us and this purpose is for all of us to share as well it's to know jesus christ as our savior our lord our king and to share him with others so he can be their savior their lord and their king as well when jesus first called his 12 disciples he, he calls them by name that's what the, the bible says he calls them and he he makes them his apostles his personal disciples and he gave them authority to do great things in His name. And in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, Jesus told them this, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. So if you'll, Jesus is saying really simply is this, if you'll simply tell, about, tell others about me, acknowledge me before other people around you, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. I'll stand up for you. And that's what we have to do. That's part of it as well. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 28, therefore go into the world and make disciples. Amen? And that's what we're trying to do through Operation Christmas Shoeboxes, through Lottie Moon, things like that, so that people can hear the gospel. So the nations will be told who Jesus is, and then Jesus will come back at that time. Our invitation song today is Wherever He Leads I'll Go. He might not be leading you around the world. He might be leading you to the cross. He might be leading you to this church, to join this church.